Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. It is a T-Watts and TR edition of the pod on a Wednesday. So here we go. Let's get into it. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, back with you alongside site publisher Tim Watts. And Tim, no shortage of topics this week. We'll talk some Alabama men's hoops following the Crimson Tide's road win late, late Tuesday night down at South Alabama. Alabama now 3-0 and on the season. We'll talk, of course, some Alabama football at Crimson Tide with a much-needed road win over the weekend at Ole Miss. And we'll get into some Alabama and the NFL and a myriad of other topics here on the pod. You ready to go, Tim? I'm ready. Just don't forget recruiting for those that are sticking around. Oh, would we ever? I mean, that goes without saying, right? I mean, a couple of recruiting weekends finally coming up for Alabama, it feels like. I heard in the preamble, it's coming anyways. <laughs> All right, let's start with last night down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, as the Alabama men's basketball team gets a 65-55 to win over the Jags of South Alabama. I know some Alabama fans, I was in that thread there, the game thread on the roundtable, the premium message board, of course, of ours there at Bama Online, keeping up, going through it with the fans. And it wasn't always pretty, especially late in the game where it looked like Alabama had it very much in control, but had some sloppy play, some turnovers. Nate Oates playing a lot of guys, a lot of different combinations. Uh, you still like the defensive effort for this team, Tim. Obviously still dominant on the glass, this Alabama basketball team to this point of the season. Shooting uh, hasn't been great in spots. Uh, what was your takeaway primarily? Yeah. Not going to make too much of how that thing sort of finished <laughs> last night? Man, look, I mean, I, I realized at some point last night discussing it, there was a lot of people that didn't put the effort into streaming the first two games. So if this is your only sample of Alabama basketball, I get why you're a little, you know, you're, you maybe you're a little concerned or you have questions or complaints, but you really should watch the other two games collectively and judge this team. I mean, you can't judge a free throw shooting as a team. They shot 80% in the last game, over 80%. They shot 70% free throws in the first game. Last night was bad. They did not hit free throws. I think they would say that. I know Nate Oates would say it. Got to make your free throws. But then again, it wasn't a lot of the backcourt missing the free throws. I mean, it's much more of a concern when you look up and you've got your guards who can't hit free throws and, and your pure shooters who can't. I mean, a lot of those free throws were the bigs, including, you know, Betty Yako. He's a guy that, you know, I think he has the potential to be a 70% free throw shooter. But let's be honest, he's never going to, you know, challenge Calvin Murphy or, or Larry Bird, so he's a big. Um, but if that's your only sample size, I see why you might be a little concerned. But if you've seen them in three games, I don't I don't see a lot of concerns. You've got a young team, and that's what these games are for. These are tough games. 
They're supposed to struggle. They don't. They want to struggle now. You don't want to struggle in March and February and March. You want to struggle now. You want to see what you've got. You know, I think the most, you know, the oddest take for me in the whole thing was that when Quinterly went went in, he he called South Alabama to go on a run, which was I think they lost a lot of flow when they, you know, okay. I felt like a lot of players, especially in that first half, were coming in and out pretty quick. A lot of rotation, playing a lot of guys, couldn't really get in a rhythm. I think that was a chance for Nados to see what he could do, what these guys could do or couldn't do. Bring in Quinterly Lake. South Alabama goes on a little run. Definitely finished sloppy. But, you know, this – I mean, I've seen Alabama teams lose this game. And while everybody – you know, the people that are griping, they led from the tip to the horn. And that's not something you probably would have seen in the past. Also, with the defensive effort they give, the guys challenge everything. They challenge everything. They they, they, they they chase the ball down, even if they've got somebody out in front of them. Everything at the rim on both ends. They attack the glass. I mean, the rebounding is amazing. And South Alabama, I mean, let's give them a little credit. They were an older, experienced teams, and the ref let them play. I mean, they was there was some pushing. You know, there was some leaning and pushing and early on some chippiness and that you saw. I mean, the refs let them play, so you got bigger, older guys. Um um, you know, experienced guys leaning on that team. So to me, it's a it's it's not a pretty win, but it's a good win. And it was an easy. <laughs> yeah, it was a solid win. You're right, South Alabama, a team who's starting five, one through five, twenty two, twenty three years old, up and down. Whereas the graphic you saw on the broadcast last night with Alabama, I think it's starting five. Every one of those guys, nineteen or twenty years old. So. Uh, difference there in terms of chronological uh, age and those type of things. Alabama, you're right, absolutely did not shoot the ball well at all, either from the field or specifically from three, where it got up 35 shots from beyond the arc, making 10. But look, that length and that athleticism on the defensive end, you got to give it credit because USA shoots 30% from the field, just two of 23 from three. Didn't shoot free throws particularly well. And you go back to that rebounding stat, man. Here's the thing I liked about Alabama in that regard. Charles Bediaco only played 11 minutes last night. Got into foul trouble, fouled out uh, with 11 minutes to his credit, five points. He did have seven rebounds, so give him some efficiency kudos there. But Alabama out-rebounds South Al. 63 to 40, 25 offensive boards. They get 22 second chance points. Alabama does. And, you know, that's how you can cover for games in which you don't shoot it well from three. And really, as much as anything, you touched on it. I think Nate Oates, the the stat he's not going to like at all, more so than even the shooting, uh, is those 21 turnovers. Yeah, that was it. To me, that was the worst part was the sloppiness and the missed free throws. Um, you know, almost at 50 percent there. I mean, I was looking last night. I don't know. I look, you know, I'm a basketball guy, so I'm always watching basketball. So I'm looking. I'm pulled up the numbers right now. Alabama's terrible from three point range. Duke shot 14.3 percent. Kansas shot 15.8. Kentucky shot 28.0. Michigan State th- shot 36.8. Alabama shot 28.6. So the the shooting and, and also let's be honest. I mean, we see we see the Golden State's Warriors struggle from three point. Those guys get a thousand buckets a day from deep. So you're going to have those kind of days, but you can't. What will keep you in every game 
is defense, effort, and rebounding. That much we know. You're not giving up second chance points, getting second chance points, and protecting the basketball, which they didn't do a great job of. I think they felt like, you know, you got when you have a young team coming in and you're kind of vibing and you're feeling yourself. I mean, we we saw a couple alleys with no oops. You know, we, <laughs> we we saw guys that were like, "What are you doing? I didn't know I was supposed to jump there." I mean, we saw them trying to be, you know, ha- they were having fun, which was important. And more important to me, also, what we should touch on is the fact that when South had a run or Alabama struggled, there was a lot of positivity. There was guys talking. There was nobody shaking their head or looking at the ground or barking back at the coach or none of that. It was very positive. I think these guys seem to get along very well, um, very well right now. But obviously stuff to clean up. And with a young team, that is that is absolutely something everyone expects that watches basketball. When you've got a young team, they're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have they're gonna have to learn on the job, basically. And it's here where we must talk about Brandon Miller, the five-star freshman, who, despite shooting five of 16 from the field, he did make four of nine from three. So he was really the lone highlight, one of them. Mark Sears made two of four. So uh, Miller, though, with 19 and eight in 36 minutes of action. And, well, this guy just continues to impress me, probably more so because of some of the intangibles you see from a talented young guy like this this sort of maturity and the way he's willing to play defense, not just play it well when he wants to, uh, in his awareness. And he's a guy that when it looked like South Al might be on the verge of getting this thing under six or four or something like that, the basketball would go immediately to Brandon Miller. I'm talking about bringing the ball up the floor, Tim, and kind of running things from that perspective Mark Sears is a starting point guard. It's going to be interesting with Jaden Bradley, who I saw again. I know you did too, some positive things from in the game uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, Quinterly coming back is obviously going to impact that. But I'm going to be surprised, even with those guys, if when this team really needs it, the ball doesn't just end up in Brandon Miller's hands. I'm talking about on outlets and kind of running the show even in certain situations. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've said it, I guess I'll end up saying it a lot, but enjoy Brandon Miller while you can in college. He's going to be highly coveted um, by NBA guys, and he's not even close to what he's going to be is what's crazy. I mean, you can see the frame. You can see the strength he can add. You can see the additional weight if he wants to carry more. You can see everything he's going to be on the field and, and, and on the court. And you're right. he is. He's extremely confident. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's got some height on him. He's got some length on him, but he's bringing the ball length of Florida against a small, experienced guard. you got to have some confidence to do that because they will rip you. <laughs> those, little, those little crafty guards, you know, they will rip you. So, dude, doesn't lack for confidence. Um, and that I think the other guys feed off that. I mean, we saw a lot. You know, I, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, again, it wasn't a great shooting night, but those guys are – they're confident in their ability or they wouldn't keep shooting. Has had more than a few go down and out on him too. I mean, it, a lot of the misses weren't just awful misses. Uh, no. It seems like Namari Burnett right now. He did have one make uh, finally in in the game Tuesday night, but you know he's a guy that I think about when I think about balls going down and uh, and and coming out on and um, you know. So th- 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 there, there's not this sort of concern that man these guys don't even look like they can make shots. Oh, they, I had a buddy text me in the middle of the first. He said, these damn state fair rims. Yeah. 
<laughs> one in wins was those rims. Yeah. Yeah, those were they were they were definitely tight. That thing was bouncing around pretty. You good. could hear them. You yeah. could hear them on the damn broadcast. When you can hear the rims, Tim, you know they're probably not the kind shooters like. It's like Jackie Moon was running a uh, a uh, some kind of lottery win and tightened the rims and yeah. all out of there. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a win. I think it's a good win. It's the first road experience. I think all wins are going to be good. You look around college basketball, and there's a lot of people that would swap a you know score first, score last type of. Well, they didn't score last, but score first leads from tip to horn type game. Um, again, Alabama's just extreme. You just see the talent on the floor, and they got they got to start blending these games. I don't. They have to play everybody that they think can help them down the road to figure out what they can do. There's not going to be every game they can play 11 people. I mean, they got Michigan State, you know, coming two games from now, Jacksonville State Friday, then Michigan State. Michigan State's going to be a good team. We knew that coming in. We know what Tom Izzo is. He's almost like a Nick Saban of basketball. They are going to defend relentlessly. They're going to play smart basketball. If anybody that saw their down two before end of the game – inbound pass which yeah was unbelievable i mean he had he had an open three look if he wanted it he had a driving dish three if he wanted it or he just had a dunk uncontested dunk so unbelievable play so the guy can coach um, but that's what you want you want that team to be challenged you don't want every game to be hey we're going to win this game you want to add a mixture to get confidence and then you want to be challenged and me i love it i'm looking forward to it i love all this good basketball this early I mean, yeah. you're, you're coming off some bad football weekends, and and I'm talking nationwide, just not many games. You're looking at the NFL every Thursday night games, or, you know, a poser game. This These basketball guys are coming at you. They're coming out with some really great games early on. So Alabama gets Jacksonville State Friday night in Tuscaloosa. That's an 8 p.m. Central tip-off against the Gamecocks. That game will air, by the way, on the SEC Network. And then it gets real at the Phil Knight Invitational out in Portland, Tim. You mentioned Tom Izzo, Michigan State. That'll be fun on Thanksgiving night out there in Portland on ESPN. That's a 930 Central tip. So you'll have a chance to enjoy that Thanksgiving spread, take seven naps, and then by 930, you'll be ready for Alabama, Michigan State, Tim. I mean, what is it? You've got a 9 p.m. start. you got an 8 p.m. start. you got a 930 start back to back to back. Um that seems kind of that seems late. I mean, I'm up I'm up to one or two every morning. It doesn't bother me, <laughs> but I do see you know some of the people. Imagine being on Eastern Time. We saw a few guys. I think we saw one board poster who said, um, "I'm going to bed, tape it, watch it in the morning before work." I mean, that's that's some dedication right there. But yeah, seems like a late time, you know, late tip time, and that you know that's something these guys could be adjusted to. They're not used to even with the AAU basketball world. You're usually not playing. At 9 p.m. Play so, more play more early in AAU than you play that late a lot oh, of times. I mean, you can play late in AAU, but that's late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have some stuff running. You're in the side gym. You know, you got to have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's not that common to have, you know, have a bunch of high school kids out at, you know, 1130 at night wrapping up a basketball game. Yeah, Michigan State on Thanksgiving night, that has the potential to be an absolute rock fight between those two teams. As you said, with the way Izzo's teams typically play, they are absolutely going to guard you, and they are going to battle you on the glass. So I do. I'm with you. I like the scheduling for Nate Oates. This is what you want. I mean, this is what you want. You want to be challenged now So, because who are you going to play in the NCAA tournament? You're going to play a team very similar 
to this Michigan State team to some degree. You know, Rick Pitino's team a few years ago, a lot of trouble with them. I mean, you're going to find well-coached teams that can scrap and all that stuff. I will say Thanksgiving is going to be really, a, you know, you got the Patriots that night too. Yeah, you got the Egg Bowl. You got Ole Miss, Mississippi got State. Mississippi State Bowl. You got the Lane Kiffin rumors to Auburn. Yeah. You, uh, you know, the Patriots playing. Morgusburg. Yeah. yeah. You a lot. You got a lot. Yeah, you gotta you like, make that turkey sandwich, you know, around eight Thanksgiving night. Absolutely. Get just take it all in, right? Absolutely. What are you gonna put on that turkey sandwich, by the way? What's the Tim Watts turkey sandwich consist of? I've always been a mayo guy, and I'm Me not too. It's the lube. You gotta have it on that I, turkey. Dude, I just I don't know. I mean, I can eat a turkey straight out of the oven with the juice, but when it dries yeah. out a little, me and Cold. That, me and that thing yeah. have to fight. We got to worry. <laughs> I tell my wife, turkey needs help. That means I need a condiment of some sort on it. But mayonnaise is on it. I've always wanted to like the toasted wheat bread, the turkey, and the cranberry uh-huh. sauce. I've tried it, but it doesn't It yeah. doesn't make for, for Timmy. It doesn't work. All I need on that turkey sandwich is some white bread with some mayo. And then I'll uh, I'll throw some pickles on there. And then I'll hit it with that black pepper. I like to throw that black pepper on. Black pepper, yeah, that that gets that, it. That, that that gives it the that gives it what it it absolutely needs there. So, we're talking some Alabama men's basketball as Nate Oates' team looks to move through the month of November into that challenging stretch out in Portland, Oregon at the Phil Knight Invitational. And boy, you talk about December as well. Some of those matchups: Houston, Gonzaga, Memphis. Um, boy, uh, good good stuff on the horizon for Alabama men's hoop. So Tim, uh, let's get into some football talk. Your thoughts on Alabama Ole Miss were you, was it more of a sense of relief? That's what I picked up after that game Saturday, last Saturday in Oxford. It just felt like relief more than say a return to what fans have grown accustomed to seeing from Nick Saban teams. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you had a lot of people that, you know, I think if you look at message boards and social media, a lot of Alabama fans basically had Alabama's underdog. And um, Lord knows I saw a thousand times that week. I'm hammering down the old man. <laughs> How'd y'all do on that, by the way? Well, if they if they took the points, they did all right. But if they went straight up with Ole Miss, yeah. No, this was the money line. Now, I okay, the ML. I got. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I've got a buddy. He ain't never missed a bet. He tells me he's going to take the money line. <laughs> I say he lost. He's like, yeah, I doubled down, took the point spread the second half on the final two minutes. There's always a cover. <laughs> no, they'd hammer down the money line and all that. So uh, yeah. I haven't heard anything else. Even in the first quarter, they're like, my money line's good. <laughs> uh, it looked good at the end, though. But, yeah, I mean, it was it, – it was I mean, it's Lane Kiffin, and Lane's a lot – you know, a lot of people love Lane, and uh, Lane's a boogeyman. Um, Peter Golden's three and zero against him. By the way, I'm oh, kidding. Oh, offense has uh, certainly played a part. But the last few years, the defense did fairly well against this team, especially keeping them out of the end zone. Um, you know, it's still you know I like I saw them in the second half really like make plays. I saw energy. I saw them. Uh, I saw a team that wanted to win. I saw a team to fight. You know, and I guess the average fan, it looks like. It's not a big win, but you couldn't tell that players that. And to be honest, they had every reason. I don't want to say lay down, but they had every le- reason to lay an egg. They are th- That's not a group of guys that are used to being out of the college football playoffs. 
They could have been down. They could have been long in the mouth. They could have been all the cliches you want to run out there. But they fought, and they have fought all year. Even their two losses are on the very last plays of the game. This has not been a team that's lacked for effort. You know, obviously they made some mistakes along the way and had mental breakdowns, and and there's a lot of other issues. But again, finding a way to win, a really tough opponent, top ten type team. Ole Miss on the road, his Super Bowl, Lane Kiffin's Super Bowl, I think it was a tremendous win. And I think it does matter to a lot of people. This can get them went out. You go to ten, you know, you went, you have ten wins. You go to a, uh, you know, a major bowl game. Um, even though it's not the college football playoffs, but I'm I for one would love to see Bama and Michigan or Bama and Ohio State or Bama and, and Clemson or whoever this. Yeah. I would love it. That to me would be a college football playoff game. Even though I know both teams will probably have opt outs. I don't care. I know both teams are going to have a lot of talent um, uh, on the field, whether they have opt-outs or not. So for me, it's it's a it's a great win. So I'm with you. I, I thought in watching that game, and you're right, it wasn't always pretty, uh, but it was a team that continued to battle, and it felt like this group of guys, even though there isn't a championship still on the table, understood that its legacy as a team among Nick Saban teams at Alabama was very much on the line. You know, you lose that game. Now you start getting lumped in with some of his three or four bottom teams in his 16 seasons uh, at Alabama. I I think that matters. And I think they played like it. Um, But as we move forward now, are you more interested in the lasting legacy that this team leaves behind or are you more interested starting with Saturday against an FCS opponent, what the future might continue to take shape like in terms of younger players? We saw Kendrick Law do some nice things at wide receiver, for example, uh, in that win over Ole Miss. Where, where are you at on that sort of balance between what this team can still accomplish and already looking ahead to what next year's group might look like? Yeah, I think that with, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm a recruiting guy. So I always want to see the young bucks play. You know, I've wanted to see, you know, Ty Simpson this year. Last year, I wanted to see Jalen Milrow. I like to see the young guys play just, you know, to watch them to see what they, if they are or how they're developing from college. I mean, high school where, where I initially evaluated them. Um, I think you have to work them in at the wide, especially at the wide receiver position. Maybe at the offensive line position. I mean, Alabama will know. I mean, there's a lot of people making predictions on who will go pro and who will go, who won't go pro. There, nobody really knows that. Sure, there's a Savion Smith in there that's already decided to go pro, and there's a likeliness that Bryce Young and all those guys are certainly going to get. They're going to get. Most of these guys are going to get their NFL feedback from Saban. I'm sorry, Saban will get the feedback from the NFL, pass along to the players. And as people, and they discuss it to make decisions. We've seen great decisions. We've seen bad decisions. We've seen guys come back that surprised us. I mean, Smitty came back, definitely was a, you know, I still think if he'd have tested the NFL combine, he'd have had first round testing numbers. It was a pretty good draft that year, though. So, but he was a second round at worst, you know, at the time. Najiers was certainly going to be a first, I mean, a second or third round pick. You've had guys that had decisions to make, and we've seen it go both ways. Um, on that. So who comes back or who doesn't? I think the staff probably has a decent feel for that. But if they're gone and you have a chance, this week's a prime example. Play some of the young guys. Figure out if they can play. Let them figure out if they can play at the University of Alabama. Um, and just see what you've got. I mean, the wide receiver position, 
you know, you look at the class. I think the biggest mystery to me is that Bryce Young, Alabama signed Bryce Young, and they didn't bring in a big receiver with him. You just don't really see that. You know, you usually see, especially Alabama was getting big receivers in every class at the time. But, you know, you have Holden, you know, quite hasn't lived up to what we'd hoped he'd be. Shows flashes, doesn't live up to it. Um, you know, Javon Baker, I saw him at, you know, playing for Central Florida. And then Thaddeus Jones-Bell, who we don't see play much. So that one, to me, is going to be the, the biggest mystery, how that happened. And, you know, the guys behind him are, are, are moving up. I mean, I want to see more. Kobe Prentice, Law, Preston. I want to see all those guys. Bonds, certainly Bonds. I want to see every one of those. I want to see Nye Black. I want to see these young guys yeah. who can do what next year and start preparing for that for that team. Jamarian Miller at running back. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, especially if this should be a ten plus carry game for Jamarian Miller. I, would think. I think we're really going to love what we see from that guy. He is that power back between the tackles. Um, I like what I saw from Jace this week, and I don't want to be remiss there. I thought he got some yeah. really tough yards and made some big plays, played really well. And I still think he's coming back into into the uh, fully healthy type role that that that, uh, that he needs to be in mentally. I still think he's mentally trying to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm in the I'm in the play to win, but play every young guy you can, get him reps. It's not going to hurt a single guy. To get a one rep in every game. I mean, you can squeeze in eight rep, you know, eight eight plays pretty quickly and pretty pretty easily. Yeah, on both sides of the ball, I think you know, even in the secondary, with some of the uncertainty you have there, with what you're looking at in terms of losses between the NFL draft and perhaps uh, the transfer portal. Um, you know, getting some of those guys is is Earl Little Jr. Is it too late to think that we might? see him after the injury kept him out for most of the season. Is this a spot where maybe we get our first real glimpse of him and uh, some other guys there on the back end? I will say this good for uh, Terry and Arnold in that old miss game. He took some lumps, man. He gave up about three back shoulder throws and man coverage had a pass interference, but he had 10 tackles and a couple of pass breakups. And of course the big fumble recovery there, late in the second quarter. And I think that's just an example of why you need to play a lot of these guys if you can, because you don't know that Eli Ricks is going to go out on the first play of the game. Uh, they did a good job. Ole Miss did a good job on that back shoulder fade. I know everybody on the round table can defend it, but it's really tough. I mean, when they time that up, I watched the NFL pick it apart. And, um, and also, I mean, nobody's even talking to Arnold should have been a touchdown. They are literally yeah. let the down. I see it all the time. I see guys clearly down, especially in the NFL. I'm talking two knees and an elbow, and then the ball comes out, but they let it play out and go review it. There was no reason to blow that dead. They know that. That's literally a touchdown off the board for Arnold. But I thought he had moments. I think he looks the part, I think, with experience. Could end up still end up at safety. I think that's kind of you know, kind of where I had him penciled in, too, so kind of learning on the job. But I still think there's some stuff to like there. Yeah, he's a he's a high character guy. You can tell and absolutely give him credit for sticking with that fumble recovery that the referees were quick to blow dead there on the field. So, Tim, uh, for the first time in really a month, you got a couple of recruiting weekends on tap. I'm going to guess that maybe for Austin P, it's not going to be as star studded as probably for the Iron Bowl the following Saturday, but. 
Uh, still some important details to kind of work out here with this 2023 class. And, uh, and, and also, th- these are the kind of weekends, too, where you start 2024, 2025, even you got some some guys of interest in town. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing about it is this schedule and, you know, I mean, this is one of the roughest road schedules I've ever seen from anybody, really. I mean, Arkansas had a healthy Jefferson when Alabama played them. They might look like they're a different team. They are a different team now without him. But with Jefferson, they were they were monsters. I mean, they had and still only still only lost by three to LSU without him. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, Alabama had to go to LSU, which is everybody knows, you know, with LSU's reputation, Knoxville. Certainly one of the best, you know, places to play LSU and Knoxville are two of the toughest places to play in the country. They go to Texas at a 3.30 a.m. start. I mean, you had all these weird, all these games that they played. I mean, this was not an easy schedule. And, again, I know the team was flawed, and I know we could pick it apart. We also could look at their couple plays away from being undefeated right now and a whole totally different discussion. And if you watch college football – not just your team, not just your team. If you watch college football, most of these teams have warts. There's not a lot of unflawed teams right. in football right now. I can't wait to see Michigan, Ohio State, because I have no clue which one's good. I mean, You're I, right. I don't either. One of them is about to whoop the other one, and they are a contrast about to meet each other. They are, with C.J. Stroud doing his thing at quarterback and those receivers yeah. and then – Blake Corum at the running back position, putting up big numbers um, for the Wolverines. There will be a lot of intrigue about that game. But uh, you look at it from a recruiting perspective, and boy, it seems like so much of the heavy lifting has already been performed by this Alabama staff where the 2023 class is concerned. But uh, we've talked about some of the, the big names that are still out there, perhaps a few of them. I've already made their trips to Alabama and won't be back in Tuscaloosa before the early signing period gets underway. But who are you, who do you have your eye on specifically um, for this class? And then we kind of touched on it last week too. We talked so much about the, the few spots that are still open, but man, it's still about retention with the kind of guys that they're recruiting. I mean, let's be real. If they didn't sign anybody else in this class, they would have a tremendous class. I mean, you would have impact players at every level um, that you could think of. I mean, you would have guys that could play uh, basically at every position, somebody that you like and somebody you expect to play early with the exception of possibly cornerback. You know, you don't really have a, you don't really have a a corner, true corner out there just yet. They still got a few guys are looking at. I'll tell you what I'm expecting is this mad scramble (laughs) known as this, the NIL, the final month, and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's going to be wild. I mean, for Alabama, the Austin P game is going to be relatively quiet. Like you said, I expect the young guys. It's 11 a.m. start. It's going to be chilly. Um, I you know I wouldn't imagine a ton of guys will make it to that game. But but when you're older, when you've been you know to you know to all these big games all year, it might not be as much fun to go to Austin P or worth the effort. But like you said, if you're young and you really haven't had a lot of attention and you haven't had a lot of the focus or a lot of that experience. If you're 24, 25, even 26, you're probably running up there um, to experience for the first time. Uh, The Auburn game, they'll have some official visitors. And I think all the official visitors are in flux because you have every school battling to get those official visits. So, you know, the ideal thing that any staff would want to do would be to get them to, you know, for Alabama in their case, 
would be to get them to Alabama, Auburn unofficially. And then in the coming weeks, if they've got available availability, get them for an official on one of those last three weekends. So plenty of meat out there. I mean, number one class in the country. You're still looking at major, major, major targets like Keon Keeley, uh, Desmond Ricks, very interesting Alabama. You know, Reclassified, right? Just, yeah. Yeah. These, uh, you know, the, you know, you know, it's funny to see these guys jumping up. I mean, LSU had a guy jump up to 2024, a quarterback who committed from 25. He is 15 years old. He has committed to LSU at 15, and he's and he's a junior. He's definitely going to be young. It's just amazing. He's yeah, not- but 15 is 15 is 22 in Baton Rouge. We know that, Tim. Yeah, I mean it's a <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a I mean, it's just a different world. I mean, most of the guys that reclassified when I was growing up, we also called it flunking. We went backwards. <laughs> we never went forward so good to these guys but Desmond Rick Desmond Rick's one of the best corners in the country Alabama LSU now Florida and Miami they're going to be the curveballs for basically everybody they're they're buck wild out there Billy Napier Mario Cristobal <clears throat> they've had some fisticuffs how about the quarterback who uh, flipped from Miami to Florida here in the last week after the deal and everything he apparently well, had with Miami oh yeah he definitely yeah I mean some of these kids aren't shy they have agents <laughs> you can't tell me the NIL ain't a factor if you got a representation. You, know what I mean? you got Drew Rosenhaus calling college coaches with updates. Oof. What was the dude's name in Jerry Maguire? Love. What was his name? The the block Jay Moore character. Oh but, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. guy. He's out here representing you in the streets. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you know that came on the heels of Kermani, the uh, you know the number one DB in the nation, who many thought was a Florida lock at the last second going to Miami. Yeah, yeah, going to Miami. <laughs> They're out there getting out there, but I mean, Alabama's got, you know, Keon Keeley. He's looking at Ohio State and Alabama, it seems like. You know, Georgia, I think, is in there a little. Desmond Riggs has mentioned Florida, but Alabama and LSU. James Smith is still out there. You know, the Montgomery guys with Quay Russo. You know, the thing that's amazing about James Smith and Quay Russo, they're both great players and uh, high school players. They're both great players. But when I watch one, I'm like, yep, yeah, I like Quay better than James. And then next time I watch James first, and I'll go, yeah, I like James better than Quay. They're that good of a combo. So you're looking at a lot of, lot of. That's just the five stars. I mean, there's Reuben Baines and Jordan Hall and all these guys that are still out there. I'm going down the list now. Damari Brown, a cornerback, and you know Jaron Hamilton, a wide receiver from Florida. There to have 23 commitments and have the number one class in the country. But you're, you know, they are in position to have. Them. You know, perhaps their best class ever on paper, but certainly an elite class. But then again, you know, this is kind of like, you know, you 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 got to, you know, you got to hold serve while trying to hit an ace at the same time. You got to hold on to what you got. And of course, you know, everybody's trying. I mean, Alabama lost football games and everybody said there goes the Georgia guys. I think you have to give. And, and they could flip, of course, but they are saying literally I'm 100 percent locked in right now. Right. But it's recruiting anything could change. But I think you've got to give these kids more credit than a lot of the adults. They just don't see it the way a lot of the fans see it. They just don't care. Well, they're not emo- they're not driven by emotion. Yes, you know? exactly. It's, right. it's, it's a very business-like approach, which I think fans you know, or people in general can't grasp because in their minds, these are just kids. Uh, kids these days ain't kids from – you know, 1978 or something, you know, they're, they're advanced in just about every way. Yeah, no doubt about it. So for them, you're right. It's a business decision. 
And, you know, it's, they're not so hung up on wins and losses. I've still yet to hear a kid saying, you know, I was going to Blake, but they lost that game. And I said, like, hell no, I can't do that. I mean, I just don't think that happens. But Alabama staff set up really nicely this class, as they always do. I mean, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know they got to hold on. They know, you know, they'll have a list of guys to, you know, head on the swivel, feel good about and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the class is shaping up great. Not only that, I mean, they're, if you start looking at like their, their 2024, you know, I mean, we could actually go to 25 with Ryan Williams, but you look at 24. Man, I saw some clips of that dude against Hillcrest last Friday night. Can you get him to reclassify to 2023? It's, it's ridiculous what he's doing. It well, is. and the quarterback at Saraland for 2025 yeah, is a dude, too. Yeah, it's it's that that's an explosive combination. But both it, those guys could move up a year, I think. Absolutely. So you skip ahead to you know, we're talking about twenty five with, you know, Ryan Williams a long way to go, but also twenty four with, you know, Julian Sayan, you know, he's you know, he's yeah. top yeah. quarterback in the country. Jalen Mimbakwe from Clay Chalkville is a monster. He's having knee surgery, I believe. But that kid is something special. And then you got Perry Thompson, Martavius Martavius Collins. Collins, I still think, is more of that blocking tight end, possibly defensive lineman down the road. But Perry Thompson's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. He's a very elite type wide receiver that a lot of people love. Yeah, it's already shaping up to be a a couple of really good groups beyond twenty twenty three. But you know, we also know the transfer portal is always just a clicker way, and it goes both ways. Um, you know, it's kind of a revolving door situation, and it seems like as we get closer to the end of the regular season and closer to one of the windows for the portal, it's it it it, it came off initially as being this sort of undercurrent, but it feels more and more like a straight up riptide of activity, even when we're not in these uh, supposed windows for portal activity. Tim, if we're if we're being real about the situation and understanding that that there are loopholes to every sort of uh, area of uh, player, uh, you know, addition and roster movement. Uh, what What's the situation right now for guys, even if they're not publicly in the portal? Um, how does that sort of dynamic work? Because we do have, you know, mentors and high school coaches and relatives and everything that can go into that that movement. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the thing about the portal is I can't remember what the number was, but, you know, last year there was like X amount of people went in the portal and Y hadn't been signed. I mean, the portal is a career killer. If you jump in that portal and you don't know where you're going or you don't have some idea where you're going, you might very well be going to, you know. You and know, that's why I got to think right now it's busy, even even though it's it's not a it's not a you know, certified window time, because why the hell would you jump in the portal if you didn't know kind of where you were going already? I don't, that's what I don't get about it. Uh, You wouldn't, there's no, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I would just, you know, I would play it like that guy in high school that every time, you know, he didn't like his girlfriend anymore. He went and found another and then broke up with his current girlfriend and he just kept handing it off like a baton. I think you have to basically find your girlfriend, your other school, or boyfriend, whatever you want to consider it. And I think you have to go 
leave your current boyfriend for your new boyfriend, your new your old college for your new college. Because if you get out there in limbo, we might never we might never see you again. I mean, there's a lot. I said it last year. The portal is also. I love the portal for what it is. I love the portal for what it did for Jamison Williams. It was a guy yeah. who was a great talent. Ohio State did nothing wrong. They had unbelievable talent on the field. They just didn't have enough footballs to throw to Jamison. He comes to Alabama and ends up, you know, you know, very high pick, got a lot of national exposure. That's what the portal's for, a chance to play. Um, uh, so that I'm all for, but you have a lot of guys that are young. And you know how it is to be young and stupid and that's BS. I'm not playing and, you know, I'm going somewhere else that appreciates me. You know, you get you get in that funk. And I think we saw it with Hall, who ended up transferring to Texas. You know, you get in that funk where it's their fault, not your fault, and then you just can't get out of it. So it's a lot of risk there to jump into it. Um, and also the coaches, I mean, the, the coaches at major schools – like, you know, Georgia, Ohio's, you know, and I don't want to, I mean, obviously, I always mention Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, but all these schools like Tennessee, it's a hot school and getting a lot of recognition and the, more kids will want to go there than they're going to be able to take because you still got to factor in that final number. So when you're looking at a portal guy, you know, you have to be really choosy like Alabama was. Alabama had to be really picky, really choosy. They had to be very thorough. They had to dig deeps into Ricks, for instance. Gibbs, this isn't just a hey coach, I want to come. Come on, buddy. You gotta look and see. You gotta check academics. I mean, I know personally yeah. last year there was three or four guys that were high leverage, high, high big scene guys who couldn't transfer because they didn't have the grades to be eligible at the next place. So there's a lot of juggling going on. Um and you know, of course there's you know, there's some backdoor recruiting, I'm sure. Come on, you can play here. So it's a it's not an easy world. For a college coach, I mean, I talked to my, <laughs> I talked to my former college coaches who are in the NFL now. And they're like, "Bruh, no, I'm good. I would not, yeah, know how to deal because you didn't just deal with the portal. They threw the NIL at you just for you know shits and giggles. You know, they're like, and it changed. It yeah, changed no. the way you can coach a guy. It happened. It all happened at once too. Yeah, it all happened at once. Everything was just dropped on your head. Like, how do? Right. And guys are, if they, more and more, I think you're going to see it at the assistant level. If they have the opportunity in the NFL, they're going, they're going to take it even more than they have in the past because it's, it's changed the way that you can even coach some of these guys at the college level. If I coach this guy too hard, you know, the transfer portals right there are, if this guy's getting paid, you know, NIL money, how much can I really get out of him uh, if he's not bringing it? On a daily basis. Here's what I think about this week. Tell me what you think. I think a week like this with a game like this is an opportunity for the staff to re-recruit its existing roster. In other words, some of these first, second year guys, maybe even third year guys that you know are going to be important to 2023. This is when you can circle back and really give them the attention that maybe they need or feel like they haven't gotten here in the last month and a half or so because you've been in the meteor schedule. You get where I'm going with that, Tim? I, I do. I do. Now, it's been, you know, it seems like that happened more before the COVID season. I really think, like, the, the mentality changed. You know, COVID, 13-game SEC schedule, not a lot of play. I mean, I, I have to remind people, Bryce Young didn't even play barely as a freshman. Remember, like, he would come in, and, and also it was like every game was the same that COVID year. It was 
Alabama's mm-hmm. up 20 or whatever they were up. Okay, get a stop, and then Bryce will come in. Then the defense would give up a score. A score. So with eight, we, instead of eight minutes of Bryce coming in, we, we have to get the ball back. We have to go down and score. All right, get a stop, and he can come in. Well, then they'd come down and score. Remember, those, they scored like every last drive, it seemed like they were scored up. So we'd have Bryce coming in with two or three minutes left to play and hand it off. The roster was just small. The, 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 the rotation was just smaller to me. And that was a loaded team, too, was another reason. I feel like it sort of went that direction, more hesitant to play some of the younger guys. Last last year, I felt it for sure. This year, I feel like it's coming along a little quicker than I expected. You've seen some guys I might not have expected so early, and they're still working the wide receivers and, and getting all those guys in there. I want to see Aaron Anderson if he's healthy. I want to see Earl Little if he's healthy. Um especially if it won't burn that red shirt year. And I don't even know how much the red shirt year matters anymore, right? Yeah, you know, I don't either. If you're good enough to go pro after year three. Guys are thinking three. They're not even thinking four, let alone five. Yeah, most know? definitely. And they because they've always got it to go back on. You think three, you you know, get it up with four or five. I would love to see those guys. I'd love to see it expanded a little bit more and see. And um, I just want to see the guys play. I mean, they've got a, a game this weekend where you got – couple guys banged up, you know, hopefully Earl Little's healthy or some of those guys can get out there and play um, this weekend. And I don't know his health situation. I do know he's back or uh, he has been practicing. The last time I heard he was practicing. So you're playing four games. So yeah. mean, you, you're good at this point. I would like to see because, you, you know, again, I mean, you want you definitely want to beat Auburn. You definitely a thousand percent want to beat Auburn. Sure. If you get a chance to play those young bucks, it's probably going to be late in the second half or whatever. You want to go in there and, and, and play with them. But then the bowl game, you got a great opportunity. I mean, I remember, I mean, how, do, how you're going to probably have an opportunity in the bowl game, whether you want it or not, absolutely. because I would think there's going to be a couple of opt outs at yeah, least. Absolutely. You know, now that there definitely was, but I still think there'll be guys that played. You remember the, uh, I do too. I, I'll be surprised if Bryce doesn't play, I, I, but I, there's part of me that with some other guys, I'll be surprised if they do. Yeah. Like I, it was, I would, you know, I'm not going to judge, but I'd be surprised if Will doesn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, uh, I think Will wants to play if they're in the you know Thanksgiving Day. I think Will's in the backyard, you know, knocking. Well, out. if those two play, I think pretty much everybody else plays because there's not. Well, Jameer, I, I could see that with Jameer maybe if yeah, he's Rick might, you know Rick's might not because you remember the year against Michigan we had like yeah. Diggs he opted Trayvon out. didn't play Trayvon yeah. didn't play. Um, uh, you had you had a couple other guys that didn't play, but then again you had uh, Henry Ruggs was out there, right? And Smitty was out there. Was Judy was out there, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, Judy was out there because he caught a deep ball early. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ruggs, remember yeah. Ruggs pulled his groin in that game. He sort of slid on the Astro turf, so he was out there. Ruggs is out there, about to be a first round pick, being the gunner. Waddle was only a sophomore, right. so he would have been out there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you had guys. And then, again, look at what we saw. Max Stock, you know, of course, the yeah. in his history never doubted Mac. But Mac, after the Auburn game, had a lot of, you know, had some doubts. People wanted to see more. And then the Michigan game sort of said, hey, this guy might be something. Well, he still had 2022. So, um, okay. he, uh, he was able to kind of springboard, though, no doubt. I think all that helped Mac at the end of 2019 as far as his – big picture future was concerned. Yeah. I want to just, you know, just like, just like you, just like a fan, I want to see the young guys, you know, when, you know, the season, the murder row, the, the, I mean, to me, one of the toughest seasons I've ever seen, um, 
is basically over. You got the Iron Bowl. You definitely want to win that, of course. But you have some leeway to play some guys, practice some guys, sign some guys. You know, there's a lot going on. This staff's going to be extremely busy um, to close this thing out. But you know, if you're, there's going to be some lumps. This, I think, this is what fans. I'll keep trying to say. There's going to, if you compete at this level, level, you're going to take some losses, but you're going to win more than you lose, and that's basically what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it does. Hey, let's talk about some NFL as it relates to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And as always, Charlie Potter of our staff there at BamaOnline.com does a great job on Tuesdays with Tide and the NFL tracking Alabama players in Week 10 action. And what about Tua, Tim? Another outstanding performance for the Alabama, former Alabama quarterback and MVP talk with Tua? You know, it's it's this is how the NFL works. When you, I don't know why two is such a lightning rod. I've never figured it out. Even it's on fan base. Some people did. Well, I think I probably know. But some people like him. Some people don't. Some people are indifferent. They're quick to point out his flaws when he struggles. Um, I've heard it so often. I heard, especially here in Alabaster, I hear the discussion so off often about it. But the naysayers will now say, well, of course he's good. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got a new coach. He's got uh, Jalen Waddle. All that's true. Absolutely, it's true. But that didn't take away from Patrick Mahomes, who had Andy Reid, who's a great play caller. He had Travis Kelsey, who's probably the you know the the this era's best tight end, maybe best receiving threat. And he had, of course, Tyreek Hill. So yeah, to be a successful quarterback, you definitely need talent around you. He's playing good football. I watch him every single week. He plays good football. I mean, he's got 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. Offense is built around him. He's got such talented guys, good running game, good coaching, making smarter moves, all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know with MVP. I mean, we're midway of an NFL season where, uh, you know, the thing I love about the NFL is every week, you know, you can't really find an eight and one versus an eight and one game right now. Everything's yeah. five, four and six and three or four and five, but the dang games are unbelievable every week. The Bills game last week against the Vikings was incredible. Miami plays consistently good games. I mean, all these teams are, you know, wrapped up right here. So it's probably early to, to go with the MVP, at least for me. But I definitely think he's in the discussion. I don't know how you wouldn't be able to consider him, even Jalen, um, you know, up there. Oddly enough, if you're judging right now, maybe some, <laughs> maybe some Kirk Cousins, even though I know it's not as much Kirk as it is. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson's just a monster at wide receiver. You know, these. Yeah, he is. At some point, you have to. I think at some point, we have to break the mindset that it has to be quarterback for MVP because, I mean, there's some, there's some wide receivers in this league that do just absolutely amazing things. Your Saints last weekend took on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have that strong Bama presence, but Minka Fitzpatrick out due to an appendix. Removal, I guess. Uh, Najee Harris, I thought that was an important performance for Najee. You know, you're hearing some of this sophomore slump for him uh, there in Pittsburgh, but he has 20 carries for 99 yards. And then Levi Wallace steps up with Fitzpatrick out in that Steelers secondary. Five tackles, two pass breakups, one interception. I guess I do have to I have to maybe temper that based on your uh, your Saints quarterback situation. You know, don't get excited. (laughs) that wasn't drew breeze right (laughs) i had three pass breakups myself just watching the game but i mean the thing with naji naji's still an excellent football player 
this goes back to we know they're not they're not really able to pass the ball. Um, they're not successfully. I mean, I think Kenny Pickett was less than 200 yards. He got sacked. Offensive line's not good. He got sacked at least a handful of times in that game. Um, so Najee, you know, again, the offensive line's going to dictate that. The Steelers just kind of got old on us. You know what I mean? It happened. Yeah, they did. They just kind of got old. You know, the Saints are going to miss that window, too, because that defense is really good, and they're going to end up getting old with no quarterback. But if you don't have a quarterback in this league, again, you know, I guess I'm arguing against myself. I guess it goes back to, the, you know, the MVP based on the quarterback. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you're just going to struggle. And there's not that many quarterbacks. If we really want to talk about elite talent or good quarterbacks, there's really not that many. It's many. Some are in better, you know, better spots. That's why I kind of laugh when I see people say so-and-so won't get drafted. You probably are going to get drafted. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think – there's a good chance most of these guys that they play at the high level will at least get a chance to play in the NFL. But, you know, two is having a great year. Waddle, I mean, unbelievable player. I mean, he's everything that, you know, he's every bit in the NFL that he was at Alabama. He's fun. He's even had this little Waddle dance. And that, that the Dolphins team has a, uh, has a really good vibe about them. You know, you see them on the field, they're having fun and they like each other and all that stuff. So, that helps. And how about the Eagles taking their first loss? Yeah, I was gonna. That's where I was going next, and that was a showcase game for Alabama, right? Monday night. Absolutely. Jalen was not particularly good. You know, the thing with Jalen is, and he's had a good year. I'm certainly not saying he hasn't, but when he gets hyper focused on AJ Brown, who's his guy, um, I think it, I think it really hurts. You know, hurts the team. I mean, he wants when they take away AJ, so much is built around him at times. I mean, he tried to work it in. I think Smitty, I know Smitty had, <laughs> did you see Smitty's touchdown? My gosh, this guy, I mean, literally, I've never seen, I don't know how you can be in press coverage against Smitty, and he can take one long, a small step in a stride. How is he three yards open? It's math. I don't understand how Smitty gets open on the sidelines, bakes the guy to the sideline, turns it back in, turns it up for a touchdown. Um, really competitive game, and dude, Brian Robinson, come on. Yeah, you talk about a Brian Robinson game, 26 for 86. That's that's B-Rob, yeah. A story. I mean, this guy this, this guy should be getting a lot more press than he is. Um, waited his turn in Alabama forever. Ended up a third-round pick. You know, certainly, you know, I think now you look back and you appreciate how good he was. Run, just got shot. Dude got shot and is now still running in the NFL, which is just insanity. It's bananas to me, but a lot of effort. But yeah, you're right. A lot of Alabama flavor out there. You see the uh, you see um, the Punch Brothers on the defensive line, Allen and Payne out there. You know, yeah, obviously, and they're they're a problem. I mean, they're a problem. But it was a, to me, it was a shocking upset. I'll be honest. I was really surprised that that was the game. Well, that NFC East is just nuts, man. I mean, it's wild in that division this year. Yeah, it's just, but you know, in the NFL, this is usually what happens. You usually slip up because there's not, there is a difference, but between the 32nd team and the first team, I mean, it literally is the Al Pacino movie. Any given Sunday, you can get your butt whooped if you're not prepared. And, uh, you know, the, the Eagles are a scrappy bunch. I mean, they're five and five. I had a couple of buddies who were Eagle fans were talking about losing to the worst team in football. And I was like, dude, they're, <laughs> they're, they're fairly competitive considering they don't have a quarterback. 
Chase Young hasn't played all year. So I look, you're right. I look up there five five. The Giants are seven and two. It's wild times in the NFC East. Hey, let's get into the mailbag here as we wind down another edition of T Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. Let's get it going with Thrill2K1, who asks, how does Bama's recruiting class finish, Tim? Will the Crimson Tide hang on to Justice and Downs, those two big-time prospects from the state of Georgia? Um, Who commits to Alabama next, Tim Watts? Um, that's a lot there from my boy Thrill, but I am going to <laughs> that is my gift. That is my gift, my, my guru right there. Thrill is an OG when it comes to the round table, yeah, man. Yeah. Put some respect on his name. I, the Absolutely. They keep coming. You know, I, I think we'll start with the Georgia guys. Here's what I know. They committed with a, with a thought process in mind, and that thought process hasn't changed. Um, they both have said – they are firm. They are locked in. Um, so to me, yes, they're committing. Find them to be pretty high character kids on top of everything else. But I always have to, you know, there's always got to be the but with recruiting. It is recruiting. So a lot can happen between now and then. A lot could change. Um, as far as guys who, who could commit, um, I think you look at some of the guys who are coming in for an official visit, this, this Auburn game. I mean, you look at like, Guys, I'm kind of looking at Arian Carter, Jared Hamilton, the wide receiver. Those are guys to me that have been on the bubble of having to, you know, not having to, but maybe having to make a decision, get on board and figure it out. I think the rest are likely to go um, to signing day. I mean, James Smith gets this deep in the game. Um, he's he's not probably not going to go until, you know, the last moment on signing day with the big big function. So I still think there's some guys out there, the bigger names will wait. I would expect some of the guys that are smaller names, but just as important to this class to have to pull the trigger sooner. From a flip perspective, uh, are there any guys out there that you're kind of watching in terms of maybe Alabama turning? Because all we talk about, it seems like is Haynes and Downs and guys like that, possibly uh, flipping elsewhere. What about, Alabama and some guys that uh, it might possibly flip is a guy like Kelby Collins still on the radar, potentially who's committed to Florida guys like that, Tim. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, Kelby's kind of like, you know, he's flirted with Alabama the whole time, had a good relationship with the staff and all of that. Me, he's not that to me. I don't really put him at a high rate of flipping simply because I think he saw everything he needed to see when he decided um, also, I think NIL played a factor there too mm-hmm. um, on some of the stuff, and I think you know Florida did a you know made him a priority and did that. There's certainly guys Alabama's looking. The thing the thing about Alabama they do really well is they don't really let you know who they're trying to flip. They keep it really quiet. And you know that year with Keanu Coat. Now we were following rumors. That's a funny thing. The last 72 hours we are head on a swivel checking with everybody. But if somebody wants to keep something something quiet um they you know obviously they can but they're definitely going to be working guys um uh Caden Proctor is now taking visits the five-star offensive lineman from uh Iowa remains to be seen if he will visit Alabama or not but you know Alabama finished second for him he took official visit to Oregon this weekend so um 
you know, there's there's guys out there, and there's a lot more that's going to be popping up. And that's one thing about the lack of the SEC championship game. That's an entire week, extra week, mm-hmm. and uh, recruits. So, and Nick Saban in the past has did really well and been very busy that week. That helicopter's been all over the place. The Nick Chopper. There you go. Hey, roll tighter two two three in the mailbag here on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Based off the sample size we have, what do you think the ceiling is for Alabama basketball this season? As I sit here three games in, Tim Watts, I'm saying this is a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. I and and that may be a little low in terms of the potential for it, but what about you where ultimately this, this team will, will land? Yeah, I think they're a sweet 16 type team. I mean, obviously it gets really tough, you know, at some point a higher seat certainly going to help better. I mean, the talent there, look, if you get to the sweet 16, the one thing you and I've learned over our many, many years, yours more than mine is that, uh, you can get to the final four. Once you get there, it's a scrap, you know, it's a crap shoot. I mean, you're, You're playing the hot hand, the hot team. So that's what you want. That's what I was saying earlier. You want this team to gel in February, not now. You want to figure them out now. You know, it's like a Lego kit. You're just separating the pieces and figuring out what's going to go where. You want to put that that team together and have them in February. And obviously, from a talent standpoint, they've got talent. From an effort standpoint, which is huge in basketball, when you see an upset in basketball, what do they do well? They play really hard defense, they hustle, and um, they shoot the ball. That's the three things that's going to be key for Alabama. So we know they're going to hustle. We know the effort's going to be there. We know they're going to re- rebound. They're number one in the nation in rebounds. It's pretty good. It's hard. I can't remember another time that's ever happened for Alabama. I think they're a sweet yeah. team, and I think they have potential to go higher. But then again, you know, I think they're an SEC contender right now in a very tough SEC. Yeah, and – you know, what makes it impossible to project with this sort of question is draw in the NCAA tournament, man. Matchups are everything once you get to the NCAA tournament. And so beyond the first round, it's impossible to know how this team might get matched up. I will say this, though, based on the things that you've talked about and we've talked about here between the importance of defense and rebounding that makes you less suspect to maybe unfavorable matchups, right? Like if you can play defense and defend regardless of the style of game or style of play for the opponent that you draw, you're going to have an opportunity to win. So probably more so, certainly a lot more so than last year's team. I don't think this team is as vulnerable based on the draw in terms of matchups because the the things it does well right now that we're seeing uh, tend to to travel well on the road and and also in the NCAA tournament. Saban twenty two in the roundtable mailbag. I totally understand if you guys don't want to comment on this, but I'd love to hear any names of potential coordinators who could be employed at Alabama in the future. Again, though, I realize this is a long shot. Didn't we talk about some of these last week, Tim? I thought, but yeah, we did. yeah, we did. Everybody doesn't listen to the show, even though they should. Um, <laughs> You know, I think that, you know, you know, I guess some opportunities are going to be, you know, what what's presented. You know, if you look at possible coordinators, obviously anybody connected to Alabama, you know, a couple of, you know, Glenn Schumann was at Alabama, but he is a Kirby guy. Pretty happy over there. You know, co-defensive coordinators along that line. 
Um, with Will Muschamp, you know, what would happen? You know, is Will Muschamp a factor? Obviously, some connections there. Jeremy Pruitt with the NCAA when that gets cleared up. I mean, you got names like that. Offensive coordinator, I think we agreed on, could come from anywhere. We've yeah. seen him come from California. We've seen him come from just about everywhere in the country. So NFL guys coming down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got some guys with ties like Charlie Weiss Jr. and some others that are out there now that are moving up the ranks, I guess. Yeah, offense is a little easier to fill. I think there's a lot of offensive talent. If uh, Pete does move on, um, defense is always going to be the, the most curious one. I mean, I think at some point, you know, it's got the whole got to call it Saban's way. I think, you know, to get a great defense coordinator, you might have to bend a little there. Um, but I do think there's talent on the field, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Bill O'Brien's going to be a head coach somewhere next season if he wants to be. And I'm talking more about the the power five level. I think a place like Georgia Tech um you could see him there um so when we you know when we talk potential replacements there there has to be openings first and foremost i do think uh where where the offensive coordinator position is concerned we're we're going to be looking at that and i i've been told that some of the position coaches at alabama are going to be in the mix even for maybe some some uh group of five type head coaching jobs maybe even uab History tells us there's some movement after um, there's some movement after uh, you know a, a, you know what some would uh, you know an underachieving season. Yeah. So this this would certainly be one I would consider underachieving. So um, and also there's underachieving know, and leaving. You know, there's like a <laughs> you know to be honest, there's like a three maybe four year shelf life working with Nick Saban. We've seen guys you know hit that window leave and come back. I mean, uh, Panunzio, Bo Davis, some others, you know, Pruitt was a guy. So we've seen guys leave and come back and we've seen, but I mean, it's hard. I mean, Alabama, any coach is coached at Alabama will tell you it's extremely hard. It's difficult. So you get in that window. Some of them need a change. Some of them get promotions. I mean, regardless of what anybody thinks, taking out the fandom, the coaches that were coached for Nick Saban are usually that on their resume usually is a monster check mark check checked off. I mean, it's obviously a big box checked off because they think, you know, they know the task of working for Nick Saban. They know yeah. what it entails. So they leave with good reputations. That's why most of them end up with really good jobs. No doubt about that. Well, Tim, we're good in the uh, round table mailbag. Whoa. Tulsa. Shows. Shows. Oh, King at 1 a.m. for you. This is this is the topic, though. You're right, and it is a week with uh, the opponent being what it is for Alabama football. It is maybe an opportunity to catch up on the uh, shows. And I did. I gave you some. I gave you some show homework, and it sounds like you, you completed watched, that assignment. I watched Tulsa King last night at 1 a.m. <laughs> uh, that's why the podcast was 9:30 instead of nine. And uh, I, I tell you, I like it. Sly Stallone. It's as it is. Don't every, count him out. It was everything. I mean, I'm sure people are going to rip it for dumb, but yeah, a mob, I liked it. Uh, I liked the first episode. Yeah, I love the fact they they have Tulsa looking like Columbia and Alabama. You know, yes, <laughs> Tulsa. Yes, the students staying at a at a. Yeah, like I, I'm watching it thinking, I don't know if the people of Tulsa are crazy about this portrayal. Oh, hell no, they're not. I mean, he's staying, <laughs> he's staying at that. What is it? Which one is it? It's like, it's like Rumblefish. Remember Rumblefish, the movie? 
it oh, was it was set in Tulsa, and the Outsiders was set in Tulsa all those years ago. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, this. Was- uh, it feels like a a revisit of those sort of flicks with Sly Stallone in the lead role, but it's uh, just a different. It's a TV show now. This dude's at a pay by the hour motel. <laughs> this guy going out for a good time is a strip club. Yeah, this- making it rain. Yeah. And over a, a le- <laughs> he takes over a legal weed uh, selling establishment. So yes, it's kind of the Sopranos, you know, a little bit. And I tell you what was good though; they play him at his age of seventy-five. Yeah, they don't try to work around it at all. They, not, they just went straight at it. They didn't pull the oh, I'm sixty. And let's be honest, the guy's in fantastic shape. I mean, he's not an easy. He re- is. On his age, so, but I loved, I looked at, last night when I looked at the cast, the last names of every mafia person are amazing. Antosini, Inverzini, (laughs) I mean, everyone's like the hardest name to pronounce, so absolutely. Another show I've started this week, White Lotus on HBO Max. Yeah, I saw last year, season one last year. That is a... uh, that's a show. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Season two's out. So, um, yeah, we enjoy both of those, but yeah, next week we'll have a little show, uh, going show for you guys. All right. All right. There you go. Well, now we can wrap it up officially here on now, the latest edition of T Watts and TR. Skipping the Tulsa King. SMA. Tulsa King, man. I liked it. I'm ready. I'm ready for episode two. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys on the round table. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, hang out with us there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. And we're going to have continuing coverage, of course, of all things Alabama Crimson Tide, Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, myself, of course, Tim Watts, Hank South. And we certainly appreciate you joining us there at BOL. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do it wherever you consume pods. It is the Bama Online Podcast, and if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanks again for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.